was an idea <laughs> to bring together three comic book and film nerds to review a series that no single reviewer could wait am i mixing that up yeah, I'm mixing that up. Anyway, here we are, the finale, <laughs> episode number 11 of Into the Snyderverse, our Geek Explained Extra series where um, we went on a wild fucking ride. I am joined here by my intrepid adventurers, my co-hosts, AJ Kincaid from the Artistic Liberties podcast. My man. For one last time. <laughs> one last ride. All right. All right. And, and from Scripts and Screams, Chris Carter. Uh, good morning, everybody. I, I, I can't follow that. My man just kills me every time. <laughs> Forever. Forever. Every no matter, Forever. No matter every what time. else we do after this, it's going to snake its way through. I'm going to make that our ringtone. Through. That might be our ringtone for, for AJ from now on. <laughs> My man. Oh, it's one of them. Right. So here we are, ladies and gentlemen, we have made it from the very beginning way back in 2013 with Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, all the way to 2021 with Zack Snyder's Justice League. The Snyder Cut is upon us, we are here, and I am very proud to present to you our four-hour review. We're going minute by minute of the entire film, <laughs> and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> And I, 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 I have no idea if we actually go this far. We'll see. I mean, we're here. We're starting at the beginning. I hope if not. I didn't, if I didn't have to watch this movie at 6 o'clock in the morning, I was going to honestly record myself like as a follow along. And it would have been just nothing but destroying this movie. I wrote look, the look of the pages face of notes. I... 15 pa <laughs> just, just look for that. Look for that. We might have a revisit of just the AJ Kincaid commentary track for Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> Look for it in stores near you. That would be uh, awesome. You should I'd do pay that, for AJ. that. I'd, I'd, I would I'd, pay for it too. I would pay as Hands much only. for that as I would as I paid to see Zack Snyder's Justice League. That is, <laughs> that is baseline. I have one I, line of note that's literally just gross. And I, <laughs> I have a feeling I know what that is referring to but we're going to get into it so here we are ladies and gentlemen finale episode we've made it through all the way through the dceu to this point uh we're going to be reviewing Zack snyder's justice league aka the snyder cuts directed by of course who else Zack snyder written by chris terrio and Boys, we're here. The Snyder Cut is upon us. I'm going to give you a quick rundown of the history of this uh, this little film that could, question mark. And um, really, this all stems from uh, reactions to uh, Justice League way back in 2017. Um, trademark that, Eric. Trademark that. Tr tr yeah, yeah, no one has ever called <laughs> that before. Um, I, I now have three trademarks on this podcast. Go back to the previous episodes to find out my other two. Um, but really what kind of spurred this film on was this movement. And I use that term with heavy quotations for our audio listeners. Um, this release the Snyder Cut hashtag that kind of took over a large subsection of the world. And what ended up happening was for in layman's terms, you know, I can you can get with the terminology or, you know, um, technicalities all you want. Basically, this subsection of comic book 
film fans bullied Warner Brothers until they broke. Uh, <laughs> I, I think Malcolm from On the Subject podcast uh, said it perfectly, uh, uh, or as I like to say, the day terrorism won. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Basically, like for years, for over three years, um, this movement of people were like just barraging warner brothers dc comics anything related to get this movie made and discussions began late in 2019 internally to basically just release the unfinished cut to say you know Zack snyder has a cut of this film that is his pre you know the previous isn't done like there's a lot of stuff that isn't done on this we can just release the cut so that people will get off our backs and Zack snyder said no he said we are either not releasing this or i am going to finish it and it put warner brothers in a bit of a pickle here because um the voices weren't going away the movement wasn't going away and so they in uh, February 2020 officially gave the green light to get this going. Now, the announcement came on May 20th of 2020 when Zack Snyder, during a watch-along of Man of Steel, revealed it as Zack Snyder's Justice League to be reveal or uh, released in 2021. And a lot of back and forth came around for whether this was going to be released as a big old four-hour marathon movie or whether it was going to be a four-hour miniseries. And we heard different things at different times. At one point, it was going to be a movie, then it was a miniseries, then it was back and forth, back and forth, until they finally settled on it is going to be a four-hour double feature length movie and initial estimates for the uh for the reshoots that Zack Snyder wanted to do with all the post-production and everything came out around initial estimates being 30 million dollars and while we will get to the official numbers and the exact <laughs> numbers you get your your faces ready for that segment um that's not what ended up happening um there I do want to mention uh during these reshoots just something i think is interesting um reshoots came for very specific members of the cast you know doing over specific things that really only kind of play into the end of the film but ezra miller who plays the flash in this film uh did all of his um reshoots over zoom during the filming of fantastic beasts 3 Zack Snyder directed him over Zoom while he and they shipped the costume and stuff over to him on a green screen. I just I think that's it's awesome. Holy yeah. shit. No way. It's you know, it it you know says something about, you know, how much effort they wanted to put into to get this done. Interesting. Um, Unfortunately, that effort was uh, undermined a little bit by multiple leaks. Multiple leaks of this film happened, including the one that I think is the most hilarious, which is Tom and Jerry. Our boys Tom yeah. and Jerry on HBO <laughs> yeah. Max released a couple weeks before this, and uh, viewers that clicked on Tom and Jerry were greeted by the Snyder Cut for <laughs> you know the first, I think, couple hours, and people just watched it. Um, HBO Max and Warner Bros. did end up taking that down, but then there were other leaks um, that happened throughout the week and a half leading up to it. But against all odds, Zack Snyder's Justice League released on March 18th, 2021 on HBO Max, and that is where it stays for now. But, gentlemen, I want to talk to you about something real quick. I want to get your uh, inputs on this. Do you remember... 
watching this film for the first time and <laughs> and how did you andrew has not stopped drinking <laughs> He is getting ready to talk about this film. Um, I'll go to Chris first, since he's not otherwise occupied. Um, did you watch this on release day? And did you watch it all the way through? Or did you take uh, take breaks? So I tried to watch it on release day. Um, it did crash HBO. We mm -hmm. should say that too. So it was, you know, people were lined up to see it. But in, in an entertainment starved world right now, people lined up to see Tom and Jerry. Um, so... I tried to watch it opening night. I couldn't get through it. I um I got <laughs> I got caught up in it in a lot of the first I think hour and a half is a lot of stuff that we had seen already or it didn't yeah. need to maybe be there. Um I know the three of us uh, are, are the two of you are actors and, and, and directors and writers. And so the point of it, when you give an, a director a total cut to his film, they're going to put a lot of shit that doesn't need to be in there. But, you know, as Ever. a director, everything I need to shoot needs to be in it. As you know, you know, one of my producers or editors say, these 20 minutes can be taken care of and you don't need to worry about that. You don't need to have a five hour extravaganza um so the first hour and a half it, it was it felt it felt a little bit rehashing and so mm -hmm. i actually fell asleep i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i passed out it was uh you know it was you know so to me it didn't it didn't hook me i actually watched it the next day all the way through but i did watch it um i think it i watched it from i think it was two to what jesus two to eight whatever two to six whatever this four hour window is yeah. um so I tried to get it in as soon as possible because I, you know, you knew that spoilers were going to come and reactions mm -hmm. and as much as we, I think all of us kind of felt about the first Justice League, it's important to, to be in the know. I don't know if it's my yeah. journalistic, you know, background or it's my that journalism news. degree again. Oh yeah. Paying <laughs> off in, in spades here. Yeah. You know, just the wanting to know and wanting to be on the cusp of information, I think is important. So when a film like this comes out, even though it may be trash, you still need to know about it, you know, right. you know what I mean? So, so I try to watch it as soon as I can. Sure. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. Did you yeah, watch it? I, the first I, I, I did essentially kind of the same thing you did like on opening day. Um, I had some time, um, extra time in the late morning where I watched for the first through the first hour and a half and when i got to that hour and a half mark and i sat there and i was like this is legit the first 20 minutes of the original <laughs> justice league in an okay i need to put this down and i <laughs> went away from it the next day i came back to it and i watched about um another hour and a half took a break for like 30 minutes just because I needed to and then came back. So I watched it in three different parts and gotcha. it was, it was an effort. Yeah. It was a Herculean effort to get through this. Um, main event time, AJ, how did you, <laughs> how did you view this? We Turn mentioned it earlier. Turn up. <laughs> talk about your viewing experience. Uh, this morning, yeah, I'll talk about my morning thing <laughs> after going to bed at to one to two because I work nights and I had to get up at six o'clock in the morning because this travesty is four hours long. Four hours I had to plan out my day because I'm a fucking adult, not some 17 year old on summer vacation with no shit to do. Because this is who this oh, fucking movie is for. That is how I am. Buckle up, folks. It's gonna be a fun unreview on my end. Oh yeah, you you are getting peak 
Pete Kincaid in this episode. <laughs> Everything really, truly has culminated into whatever this episode is. But um, right off the bat, I want to talk about something that pops up as soon as you boot up the movie, which is a quick little message that flashes on the screen that reads... This movie is presented in a 4-3 ratio format to preserve the uh, creative vision, right? Yeah, the creative vision, that's what it is. To preserve the creative vision of Zack Snyder. Now, for those of you who aren't aware of what 4-3 ratio means, um, if you ever watch TV in the 90s, that's what it is. And... Basically, this movie was presented in that format. So if you, like many people, have a widescreen TV, the sides of your screen were entirely black for the duration of this four-hour film. And I want to talk to uh, Chris about this because Chris is a filmmaker, a very well-accomplished filmmaker who's got many things down the pipeline. Thank you. Keep an eye out for that, Carter Inc. Films. And um, he knows all about the formats. And the very first thing when he um, when he started watching this, he texted us and he was like, four, three format, because, of course, as a filmmaker, that's the first thing that's going to pop out to him. Talk a little bit about how you feel about this, how you think it was implemented, maybe why you think it was implemented. Go for it. The biggest thing of it is 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 I don't know why it was implemented. Obviously, there there is no film stock or or digital medium that you can. I guess you could do four three, but my understanding is that it was shot on or digital. To do that, you have to you have to make a creative choice to, like you mentioned, cut those sides off. And sixteen nine is what everybody's used to. That's the horizontal screen that have been in, in homes like since nineteen ninety fucking seven, maybe two thousand, something like that. So we've been dealing with with sixteen nine for a long time. And the fact that someone like Zach Snyder, in this to me, tells me that maybe Zach wasn't. I don't know if if maybe too much is going on. I don't know why somebody would choose four or three. And especially, and Jessica brought up the point um, that when you are when you're in in big scoping films, right? You want to show an atmosphere, like when like when Bruce Wayne is going to go see Aquaman for the first time. You have these really nice uh, uh, scenic backdrops. To do it in four three is basically like to put, you know, it's listening to Hans Zimmer in mono. It, it, you're you're killing it. You're, you're handicapping. Yeah. You're cutting off half or a third of your body, and 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 and, and you're doing it as a creative choice. And, and I have looked, I haven't found out any explanation or Zach hasn't come out and said why he chose this format. At least I couldn't find it. Every filmmaker that's made films in the past, Jesus, uh, let's call it 30 years for 2021 now, maybe even 40 years has used 16.9. It's just what they, it's just what it is. So to use 4.3, you have to have a reason for that. What to, The fact that he hasn't come out and said that, or if he said that, I haven't seen it, it's you know i don't i don't understand it i really don't and i will say before real quick before i it did bother me at first mm-hmm. but it, but after the first maybe 45 minutes it kind of went away you just forget about it just so, just a quick 45 minutes <laughs> yeah. yeah but aj i know you had something to say about that as well yeah uh, my theory on the four three is that it like makes it look like a comic book panel per shot and so you get this effect that it's suddenly just like Zack Snyder's idea of just like, oh, this is how I do a comic book movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of like how, um, like that very first Hulk movie tried to do a panel effect. 
Yeah. And it didn't, and it didn't work out because right. again, if you try to do that in film, you're limiting yourself. Mm. Mike, if he thought that, then why didn't he do it in Man of Steel or Batman yeah. versus Superman? Because so it's he wasn't going to allow it. Yeah. yeah. I guess that so, makes sense. I, I, I don't, and and I don't that know. goes back I, to that whole creative freedom thing you were saying yeah. where, you know, Zack mm -hmm. Snyder got, there was no one who could tell him anything <laughs> making this film. And yeah. I do want to bring up that, um, that comic book note later on, but um, going into this and I mentioned it and we've all well, mentioned it before. Real quick. Did it bother you guys at all? I mean, you guys are, you guys have seen a, a ton of movies. Did it bother anyone, either one of you to see them in that format? I felt like I was a kid again. Yeah, literally, because in a good I was, way or a bad way, because I felt like I was watching something in the 90s. Uh, like, okay. You ever, you <laughs> yeah. ever like you ever pop in like an older DVD that isn't like formatted to it was it was that early period. Kids buckle formatted up early in, <laughs> early in the 2000s, early in the 2000s before Blu-rays were even a twinkle in the eye. Um, DVDs had two different kinds of discs. There was one in the um, uh, original format, and there was one in the widescreen format. And you could pick and choose whichever one you wanted to do. And because I was used to, because I grew up on those big old square TVs, um, that was just what I watched. And when I eventually did make the jump to widescreen, I was like, oh my god, there's so much more you could see. But it literally felt like I was like this was a film that was made in the late 90s when it came to the format when it came to the coloration when it came lots of stuff but yeah so that was my experience with it um to quote myself six seconds in i already hate it the next quote <laughs> this is this is two weeks of a movie third quote if i had paid for this in the theater i would have gone back to the box office and say i want one fourth of my my money back <laughs> AJ, 2021 <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I, to quote myself. To quote myself. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was weird. It was a very weird thing. I mean, at a certain point, you do just kind of get used to it because there's not a point where it's like, oh, I think it's going to change at any point. So you, yeah. your your eye just kind of trains to what you're seeing. But the thing that like weirds me out about it and we mentioned it off mic before is that all of the trailers were widescreen yeah like so there is a widescreen cut of this whether like they want to admit to it or not like it's there i mean josh whedon's cut was widescreen like yeah yeah it's obvious that the, the format is there yeah. for it like then yeah. that's what i'm saying is that i think that this is Zack snyder's way of going oh I'm going to make this look like a comic book movie. Like Eric said, like in the nineties, it was so great. Hey, and we can make it look like a panel. And Warner brothers said, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. This is exactly why I think that. And, and, and I want to ask you guys this later. That's why, you know, Warner's is saying, we're not going to let Zach direct anymore. I don't think Zach is a, is a good director. I don't think he's a bad director, but I don't think he's a good director either. I will say this though, in one of the technical issues that, that, that happen when you take a 16, nine film and chop it into four, three, you lose some of the symmetry of it. So the biggest part of it, and you notice it real quick when uh, when Wonder Woman is on top of the, I forget whatever statue it is, and she's yeah. she's supposed to be in the middle of it. She's supposed to be centered out. But if you look at it, there is no way to center something out in four three, right? There's the rule of thirds in in cinematography and photography, and when you do that, now it becomes the rule of sixths, which you have it it just it doesn't work 
when you yeah, try to put someone in the middle explain of the frame, what a, explain what rule of three is for the listeners that don't know. Sure. So rule of three is in, in your eye is trained to, if you, if you look at a screen, they're split it up into thirds and you've got one, you got your first, your left, your right, and your middle thirds. And generally as a cinematographer and photographer, you want to occupy two of those three. So it's left, middle, right, middle, whatever. The reason you do that is to give depth to whatever you're showing. It's more attractive to the eye. It, it's in it's, this has been proven to be true. That's why you'll hear the rule of thirds everywhere in cinematography, in photography, anything where you're capturing an image. So when you trend in for 16.9, that's easy to do because those numbers, the, the, they equal out perfectly. Right. For three, it, that, that's not true because now are you not only shooting with the lens and a camera that's probably capturing it at 16.9, you have to then take it into post and then you have to manipulate it so it's as close to the center as you can, which it will never be in the center and if it is in the center, it will be basically a full shot of that individual. It'll be head and shoulders that bleed into both thirds. So instead of having two thirds, you'll have three thirds. You'll have a full, uh, one subject in all three of the panels. And that's not traditionally um, how you want to do that. So that's another technical issue that comes up when you take a 69 um, format and you cut it into to, to, to four thirds. So, and I noticed that a lot when it first started. So mm -hmm. But yeah, there, there was like some weird framing that like you yeah. can see like comparisons between the two films. People have been throwing those up on Twitter like yeah, hotcakes. Um, but the main thing that I really uh, I really kind of came away from this both during watching this and then afterwards um, was just the the film as and it's difficult not to as compared to the 2017 version, the theatrical version of the film. And I think um, our good friend, uh, Sam Wilson, uh, the Falcon said it best way back in, uh, I think it was 2016 in the winter soldier. Uh, he says, I do what he does just slower. Uh, for those of <laughs> you who have been enjoying Falcon and winter soldier, that first episode, that's for you. Um, but yeah, it felt like honestly, this film was, the same film just longer yeah. and when i like got to that like hour and a half point and i'm like this was like the first 20 minutes to 30 minutes of the film of the original like the theatrical cut like do something like yeah. show me something different yeah. get like <laughs> that validate means, these hey, four hours that you've got here yeah but like this film overall is just it's a hundred percent Snyder for better or for worse. That's like, that's what yeah. it is. And yeah. the two things that like I come away from it with it being like a hundred percent, like Zack Snyder's vision, um, I guess three now with the four, three ratio is so much slow-mo. Oh God. There is more slow-mo in this film than there is oh, regular God. speed. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. And I was yeah. astonished. Like yeah. there was a, there's a specific moment where I'm watching this film and it's the, it's a, a scene that I actually liked in the original cut. And I still enjoyed in this one as well. The Steppenwolf versus the Amazon sequence mm -hmm. where Steppenwolf boom tubes in to get the mother box. The Amazons are all fighting the parademons in that little temple thing. And then Hippolyta grabs the mother box and she runs out of there. So they come in, there's a whole battle thing going on. Hippolyta Tate, you know, wraps the lasso brings the mother box to her and she tells 
you know, her uh, her Amazonian sister. She's like, let's get out of here. And then her sister starts running down the the hallway and Hippolyta like suddenly turns runs up the wall does like oh, yeah. a little flip to like kill one of the parademons in the air lands looks up looks back at Steppenwolf <laughs> who's like just watching her this whole time I'm like go what are you doing why did this take so long run and like it just it felt like it was all of the um all the stuff that we come to know with Zack Snyder's direction just ballooned out way further than it needs to be. It works in certain doses. Like I think the slow-mo yeah. still works very well for 300 for, you know, whatever that film is, like right. I it's it's a guilty pleasure of mine, but like sure. it's it works there because it's juxtaposed with some hardcore action mm -hmm. and like the slow-mo comes yeah. into like accentuate that and then in a, a sentimental favorite of mine sucker punch love I sucker really, punch. i love yeah. sucker punch it's Same. dumb but i love it so dumb and it's it's used in a way to accentuate the almost anime magical girl style of the film yeah. that he was going for but yeah. here it feels needless it feels like needlessly shoved in to say we're gonna extend the runtime here we're gonna take a scene that was <laughs> 10 minutes before and balloon it out to 30 minutes yeah. and the other thing that really like just i could not stand within like the first hour and i watched it with subtitles because i'm like i'm i'm not i'm just gonna do it um and this is a little triggering for me so i'm just i'm gonna read it out and try to hold in my emotions here ancient lamentation music oh, I, oh yeah every, I kept the every yeah. single time that wonder woman popped up in a scene she was seen off in the background it's just this <laughs> and i'm just like why do we need this why yeah, i get like every time. every time every time my favorite meme over the weekend was just like seeing gal gadot like someone like put a a little gif of like just Gal Gadot like sipping some tea, just like, not Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot, and then just the subtitle of Ancient Lamentation music. I love this so much, but it it took me out of it because I'm laughing every single time, and I'm like, this is not accomplishing what you want it to accomplish. Yeah, um, not at all. Yeah, and I I want to talk about because I know after compiling thirteen uh pages of notes um <laughs> aj you you've got some thoughts on this and i want to talk about um zach snyder's treatment of the film zach snyder's treatment of the characters and kind of putting his personal stamp on this and what you thought of that i mean i will have to admit that there is a lot of it that is better than justice league like <laughs> like the internet can quote me on that that it's better than that train wreck but is it much better not by a lot in my opinion I, like so much like the my biggest my biggest issue with Zack Snyder is that he's a brilliant visual director yes he's a great cinematographer he makes great special effects like management of some kind he knows how to blend these two realities he knows how to create interesting lighting and interesting color palettes that can really like emphasize a story this upcoming like zombie Netflix movie I'm Army super game for Army it. the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. It looks so, it looks exactly what Zack Snyder should be doing right now. 
Right. However, there is this weird metallic effect that covers the entire film. Like all the colors are off. There's no brightness. There's no like everything is dull or it's chrome or it's shiny or it's like if it's not orange, it's copper. If it's not red, it's like, I don't know. It, it, it's weird. It, it's just this weird kind of like it's both shiny and gray and dull all at the same time. And I've never been a big fan of it since Man of Steel. I'm not a fan of it now. And like, that's just like the DCEU as a whole right there. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah with, like, with pretty those much exactly. little, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, Lens flares? Fuck those. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, was, I, was, I was trying to say with the exceptions, little exceptions yeah. here and there. Wonder Woman. With the colors, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, and like, that's yeah. the thing is that when you brought the colors back into Justice League, Wonder Woman looked great. Everyone else looked bad. Batman's suit looked terrible in the Justice yeah. League movie or the Justice League movie. In this one, I can't fucking see him because he's in shadow the entire time. And <laughs> that that's very clear of just like, okay, so in one version, I can't see him. And then the other one, I don't want to see him. Like this is, this is a very poor treatment of Batman right now. And like my biggest issue with it is that Zack Snyder is a great visual artist. And that's apparent in all of his music videos. I love him as a music video director. And because I also say that because every other 15 minutes in this goddamn movie was a music video of some kind, yeah. of some fucking kind. There was a pop song out of nowhere. And like that works for him really well. Dialogue wise, there was no actual character motives. There was no real moments of humanity. It was just dialogue to get the story going and to get the things moving along. I didn't see any personality. I didn't see any true mark characters. I saw action figures saying, oh, Here's all the reasons why this is intense and insane. Instead of just showing me characters reacting to intense moments. Like there's none of that. It's not people reacting. It's people explaining. And it's four hours of explaining. And I, uh, I, I, I did not have a fun time. I did not have a fun time with this. I, I, I really, I feel like you're holding back. And I just, I want you to know this is a safe space At least to feel. Your let feelings. it go, baby. Let it go. Let's do it. Um, we'll get to it, but just I want you to know that you can you can let loose a little bit. Feel free to do that. Um, Chris, I know that when it comes yeah. to what he was saying about the um, about the treatment, about the colors, um, definitely more washed out, definitely more muted yeah. from what you yeah. know the theatrical cut had. Um, and Andrew brought up an interesting point um, that it was it feels like the color palette of the rest of um, these DCEU films is specifically there to hide stuff. Like Batman was heavily hidden in this. Um, certain color edits were made that really, uh, I mean, one huge part, you know, Superman's black suit is entirely um, computer generated based off of the, um, the coloration that, Zach wanted to do you know the studio wanted the classic blue and red costume and so he worked with the um the costume department to make it as chromed as possible so that he could make it black and silver in post yeah. how do you think that impacts the um the viewing experience when you go from you know the films that do make those exceptions when it comes to their color palette sure. into this where it's very very muted i think that was part of wanting to separate himself from the justice league 
right? That was, you want to go in there and you want to say, hey, my film is different. And the first thing people are going to notice is the format. And the second thing they're going to notice is the color scheme. And I, I thought I had heard him saying that he wanted to take it back to a more man of steel color scheme, or maybe that was something that you had mentioned, Eric, and we kind of talked about it, but you can see elements of that. Uh, you know, to me, the color scheme for what the movie was worked, it wasn't distracting to me. Um, I, I will say that, that there were some parts of it, like the new parts, and I'm sure we haven't got to that yet, but the, the flash part of it, right? When, yeah. he, uh, when, he, when he interviews the dog store, that was, that was cool. Like I, you know, is, I think that his character and I think Cyborg's character are very well motivated. And I think that maybe it's because I don't know about them enough from the canon. Um, I think their colors are done really well. And, and there are colors that pop, like Cyborg always pops. And I'm sure that's on purpose, right? Like, uh, the, uh, again, to go back to what uh, Andrew was saying, something's chrome, something's shiny. And I think that that might be part of it. I didn't necessarily have an issue with, with Batman um, kind of being more shadowy, kind of naughty. I did say his, his, his costume felt muddy. I'll say that. But here's the problem with that. When you shoot in 4.3, you lose some of that information when you go back. So instead of maybe seeing someone like a, like a hero shot, which you know you get basically from their knees to the top of their head, you don't really see that because to, when they when when this is shot to shoot this this type of film, they basically went from mid chest to the head to get the ears. You're losing the signal. You're losing a lot of stuff in that costume. So there is some stuff that you, because, because Affleck and this is, is a larger dude. You don't see it so much as in Ezra Miller because he's not as big as Batman, but, but I think there are some, this is again, some of the limitations that you run into when you're shooting four, three, the color palette itself. I, I mean, I like a darker color palette to me. I thought Man of Steel, you know, we talked about Man of Steel is my number one out of, out of the films that we had, we had ranked in the DCU. And I think it still will be even after seeing this. So the more you can borrow from that, the more not only does DC separate itself from Marvel, because I believe Marvel has a very vibrant color palette. I mean, oh yeah, the, they jump right, and that's you know that's Disney, that's the marketing, that's make everybody can see this. But that's definitely not true for this film because I mean, it got a hard R for sure. I mean, we get we get Batman insane fuck, which I'm sure you guys will get to multiple fucks. Um, yeah, and then we see people, you know, the underwater scene when um when Steppenwolf goes into Atlantis and um, like cuts people and how like, like fish and like, you see him kind of drifting off and, you know, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not, it's supposed to be dark. So, you know, but, but the color palette didn't bother me. Not, yeah. it didn't bother me as much as it bothered AJ. It sounds like, although I do see his point. Um, but again, I don't have all that Canon, you know, holding me like, Oh, well they, they could have done this. You could have done that. It was just only what I see on screen. Yeah. I, well, I, Sorry, go ahead. No, please. No, I just, I, I argue though in that, like, I don't think that you need the canon or the lore or the real hard material when, because everyone has that opinion and everyone knows who Superman is. Superman is red, blue, yellow, bright colors. It's, it's Superman. Like you go in expecting a good time of fun and, and brightness and to see that suit. And the only time you really get to see that suit is when he's either dead or he's an evil monster, that classic, which bothered the fuck out of me, that the black and chrome suit gets to be the new hero suit. Yeah. And the blue and red one, the classic is the monster one. Yeah. Like what, what, well, that, that might be social commentary too. Like, I don't want to get too far into that, but um, there have been kind of people kicking that idea around where the color scheme and, and what it ties to historically there, there have been some some people saying that it's regarding social commentary. Interesting. But again, I, I don't want to get too far into that because 
that's a, that's a rabbit hole that's dangerous to go down. Oh, for sure. So, well, and I think, you know, getting into, cause I, we have to get into it at some point, like getting into the changes, you know, the original mm-hmm. cut of justice league was, I think just under two, no, it was two hours. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in an interview, Zack Snyder said like essentially an hour's worth of his film was in that film. And so going into this, we knew that an hour of this was going to be the same. And the three hour, the other three hours are going to be entirely his vision. And I don't know about you guys, but it felt like there was a lot more than one hour that was the (laughs) same about this film. (laughs) but uh there were definite changes in this film um and let's you know kind of go through them as as we can uh the opening very different Mm -hmm. immediately and that was something that really caught my eye um i will say i still like that scene from the justice league one where it's like these kids like super rad super rad like look at us like the little found footage stuff you know cgi lip like the mustache that would have saved 10 million dollars that would save 10 million dollars um but the opening of this film feels like it's legit like the exact same film as batman v superman this literally feels like a sequel to that like we're looking at trilogy going man of steel uh batman v superman starts with one of the ending scenes of man of steel Zack Snyder's justice league begins with one of the ending scenes of batman v superman you know it starts off with superman being stabbed by doomsday giving his dolphin cry out into the world that i everyone hears um what was that i didn't i didn't get that why did that happen (laughs) i've got i've got a few notes on that tell us tell us well, first, first thing I want to say is that um, 30 seconds in, there's already blood on the screen. What the fuck, Zack Snyder? <laughs> and then it's then it cuts out and Superman getting stabbed. And Art like, oh, R. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, my first note on it was Super Scream. And then the second note was Superman screaming has been the most dialogue to advance any movie that, that Zack Snyder has been in charge with Superman. This is the mo- most like advanced he's ever done in a character for a limit. And it's him screaming. And what else do we have? How is it that a screen this powerful is able to be heard within in the, the frame of the ocean? I understand that there's some merit of saying it's a superpower, but this makes no goddamn sense. What is this, this turning back the time with a kiss? Oh, God. Um, wait a sec. No, we're not going to get into that. But um, no, I just, I I was just... And we saw it in, in the trailer. We saw it in the initial trailer. He, he lets out his little super dolphin scream. And like, we hear it all around the world. I thought it was an interesting framing device to get us like to all of the major players where it's like, oh, Flash hears it. Oh, Cyborg hears it. They hear it underwater. Though again, like doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but that kind of leads into this idea that Essentially, if you want to include the other two films, um, this is a nine-hour Zack Snyder story from beginning moment of of Man of Steel to end of Zack Snyder's Justice League. It really, and I will say as a positive, um, it feels like one creative vision all the way through. 
if you do count the ultimate edition of Batman v Superman, which is another three hours. He did say um, that too, right? He said that was his trilogy that he wanted to do. Yes. I mean, outside of the sequels that we'll talk about, I'm sure at some point, but I think he did mention that. So yeah, mm-hmm. tonally, they felt, they felt in the same arena, not like it's Suicide Squad in yeah. the Man of Steel, you know, which for better or for worse. Yeah. 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 It, I will give it to him that it does feel like one cohesive story. Like it does mm-hmm. feel like this is all within the same, like these three movies feel like they're all within the same universe. Yeah. Agreed. And so that kind of brings us out to really what's the, the main crux. And I would say like the main changes in this film is the involvement of dark side involvement of the fourth world. Um, that's i think the biggest change out of all of this really is like that involvement you know we got the uh completely redesigned steppenwolf now with puncturing everything that he sits on action um it's it was interesting to me the direction they decided to go with steppenwolf kind of diving into him a little bit here because generally the same character characterization wise acting whatnot except he's less focused on the mother boxes themselves than he is in the theatrical cut and more on getting back to daddy dark side like that is his like main goal he's like if i find this stuff i can go home which i think is a better motivation for him but at the same time um they did something really odd with him which is you know they made his design much more alien looking like he looks like you know he's got beyblade armor and he's much less uh humanoid than the original cut but they gave him these like super like expressive and human eyes and it it jumped so far into uncanny valley for me that I was uncomfortable at certain points, you know, during throughout the film, Steppenwolf is talking to Desaad, longtime comic book character, right hand of dark side. And granted, they are doing this cool thing where it's like this, like weird, like shape-shifting metal that like gives them this like, um, carbonite like statue hologram that i i thought it's, looked cool it's but... kind of man of steely too isn't it because Absolutely. in man of steel yeah. with all so, of the so, like moving yeah tech and i stuff. thought that was cool yeah. yeah but like there's there's a moment where it's like you know he's like i'm 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 gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna find the uh the mother boxes i'm gonna get the unity going and i'm gonna go home and this odds like yeah, but did 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 you get us those fifty million worlds that you you owe us? And there's just this puppy dog look on Steppenwolf's face, where I'm like, "Am I supposed to be rooting for Steppenwolf? Right. <laughs> What's happening here?" And I just thought it was weird, man. Like having this character who, um, granted, got a lot of shit with the original cut, and rightfully so. Um, because he was just a bland, big gray villain. Um, he became a bland chrome villain. Like it, it really just, they wanted, I don't know if they knew what they wanted to do with the character. And I think that was a problem because they really just wanted to, you know, make him second to the looming threat of dark side and dark sides, you know, 
screen time went from zero in you know the theatrical cut to fucking all over the place like we get a whole new sequence of the the uh ancient war which i will say large improvement over the theatrical version though it's just longer um you're gonna hear me say that a lot when it comes to this it's just the same thing but longer um i like that we actually got to okay so we got to see more of the battle which was cool we got to see dark side in action which was cool we got to see him murking people left and right which was cool but then with the other stuff that they padded into this scene, it weirds yeah. me out because they have the this Green Lantern show up, and we saw the Green Lantern in the um in the theatrical cut. He used his reign to make like a little like a mallet to like beat people around, which I love. I love dumb Green Lantern constructs. In this <laughs> film, Green Lantern just shoots lasers out of his ring, and I'm like, is that? Do you know Green Lantern? Do you want... Okay. Okay. And then, like, the thing that took me out of it, and I don't know if you guys, like, if it bothered you guys as much as it did for me, um, they made it very clear that the World of Man, the Atlanteans, and um, I think it was... Anyway, um, the this huge group of people like came together so that the World of Man, Atlanteans, Amazons, um, all came together to face off the forces of Darkseid, and they were accompanied by what looked like Artemis, Zeus, and Ares. And besides them being just like gigantic, which I thought was strange, every time they would cut to Zeus, right? This is like Zeus. Ev- anytime you saw him, it was just. and just different angles of that i I recognize in audio this doesn't make any sense but he does basically (laughs) just like puts his hands together and then just pulls them out the exact same way and they cut to him like four or five times and it's the exact same movement just from a different angle and i'm like you are stretching for this (laughs) you are really stretching for this but you took away the green lantern mallet like it just felt odd to me. I did. I I thought it was also hilarious that Darkseid also gets super murked by Ares, and he's like pulled away. And then the justification for Darkseid not healing up and immediately coming back to fuck shit up is he forgot. Somehow, right. Darkseid forgot where Earth was. The one planet that was able to turn him away he just yeah not where it was yeah and it just it it boggles the mind like certain choices because i will say i'm always down to see dark side dark side is a terrifying villain and for the limited amount of cgi that they did to make him um i thought the design of him looked strong for the presentation that Zack snyder was going for made sense dark side decide even the little shot of granny goodness at the end like yeah. these these characters looked like they fit in that world and it looked like he looked like this looming threat go ahead 
No, what I wanted to say is like one of the biggest notes that I have was I would I would have much rather have seen an apocalypse slash new god story from Zack Snyder than a Justice League because all that I'm seeing would have been so cool to see just in a movie itself. Yeah, I agree. Or an HBO Max semi series like. Yeah. But then we kind of get into some of the smaller changes. First off, like you said, the flash scene where we get to see him kind of like applying for jobs and he's like at this pet store and i will say large improvements for ezra miller in this film yeah flash is much more palatable they took out a lot of the dumb jokes his you know his kind of like all over the place kinetic energy is a little bit more well managed this Mm -hmm. time around and i think that has a lot to do with cyborg because cyborg actually gets a character in this film and it's good man like ray fisher's doing the work and they gave him backstory they gave him development and with cyborg getting more time the scenes the multiple scenes that he spends with um the flash actually work like his energy as like this zany guy bouncing off of the straight man that is cyborg works a lot better here um are there any specific changes that you guys have that you want to mention that you want to point out um i do want to mention the weird iris west berry scene oh that the the car accident where she is just she's awfully calm for being in a car accident i've got a note for that too please go off go (laughs) off talk about it okay hold on where is it where to to set up the space so basically barry's applying at this pet shop he bumps into iris she's on her way out this guy who (laughs) is somehow driving this 16 wheeler through the streets of central city and is just reaching down for this burger he dropped nothing like a a floor burger is something that i wrote (laughs) nothing like a floor burger He's basically not paying attention to the road. Iris gets her car started and then just big old impact. Take it away, AJ. So the giant truck bashes into Iris's car, which was shown to have like starting up issues, you know, something that you can maybe it's maybe it's a battery or something. Uh, Both of these idiots, which, by the way, if you're not a superhero, you're a complete moron, which is a trope in comics that I am. I hate to death and. It's one of those things that like as soon as the comic does it i i can't finish it because i'm just it, it just takes me out of it and so sure. when a movie does it i'm just like thank you for reinstating one of the worst tropes ever to exist <laughs> so and um, the other line is jesus these people are idiots next we see her literally fly out and like she has this face that i put in quotes oh my god death like whatever because that's the expression it is just this <laughs> there is no emotion there is nothing there is no panic Blank expression and, it, and i'm just like was this just to make her look pretty because that's ex- yeah that's yeah, what it's for this woman's yeah. already pretty you've already given me shots of her being pretty i don't like i already know this this is just unsettling and then barry saves her because electricity time magic or whatever and puts her down then her car spins and explodes and my note was bitch what the fuck was wrong with your car <laughs> like there was way worse stuff than a startup issue yeah and maybe she okay. flooded the engine with gasoline and maybe that's exactly. what it was but like, <laughs> like it's like, so strange to me just the scene in general like how 
when everything slows down and like he's he runs up to her and he just like stares at her for a second and he like moves her hair out of her face i'm like all right so barry's still a creep in this film as much as he is in in the (laughs) justice league version wonderful he grabs a hot dog i'm like save this woman Dude, what are you doing? Second, for a second, I thought he was going to grab the hot dog and he was going to hit her face with it. Like, that's how uncomfortable <laughs> and long this, like, why would you stop and get a hot dog? Is he going to touch your nose thing. with oh it? Like, God. what the fuck yeah. is he going to be I with his hot dog? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> I, oh I, I thought the same thing of just like, this is meddling. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> creepy. Right? Super creepy, but like it it's just it's strange. So I think overall the flash stuff was good, but that is a sharp exception yeah. to the rule. Um which is, we do which is just so in comparison to the scenes with his dad, which are so good. So good. Yeah. Like I was shocked at how good they were. Like the just the dynamic between them, the chemistry was really great. Both of them are good actor yeah that so. other actor is fantastic like he's so been in good. a ton of shit um he was, yeah uh, he was dr manhattan in zack mm-hmm. snyder's watchman yep. yeah he was also he was a lead in a show uh gypsy on netflix mm-hmm. i think or hbo he was the one of the leads in covenant alien covenant yeah you know he's he's excellent yeah, he's good yeah he's real good he knows what he's doing and i'm sad that he's not going to be in the flash film it makes Aww. me really sad well, if there is a flash film, which I think no, we they, need to talk about too, you know. Well, I know, but Ezra Miller, I think we'll find a way to fuck that up. <laughs> I, I think that. Well, but but they they said like they actually said that he's not going to be in it because of schedule. Oh, they contracts. did. Yeah, I did uh, not know he's that. Not so officially, Ezra it, Mil- so he's he, no, 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 the dad. Oh, oh the dad. He's, he's not going to. Yeah, he's not going to be able to be in in it because of scheduling conflicts. So they uh, cast his mom instead and so she's gonna be in in his place which is fun i like Nora allen stuff getting off topic here um <laughs> another big change i think is the the mid the midpoint fight where mm. w- they first go up against steppenwolf for the first time and i actually thought it was much better action wise i thought you know the time spent with it the characterizations i thought were good um and just the I don't know just it felt different it felt like a good use of these characters i still can't get behind this like weird night crawler yes yeah, thing. thing that he has like why does yeah. he need that, that Here's why does thing, it, it didn't do anything except blow up like the thing that you know yeah blow up the tunnel like do you do any of you guys know what time that happened like runtime because by that time we had a fully developed cyborg story or for the most part so we cared we cared about the characters more batman was treated differently i think in this one than he was the last one mm-hmm. at this point you know we had um an, an interaction with uh with aquaman I, I i i don't like aquaman this one i just i just, I just don't my but man. I love my man. <laughs> damn it andrew you missed that one i set you up um but the other part of it for me was that um I just really felt close to to Cyborg. I thought that was yeah. so cool. I think sure. that everything that he had done was uh, was great. And so you cared about the character at that point. And then to see him kind of worry about his dad, you know, you have like a gravitas to that situation. It wasn't just let's go kick some ass and these demons, you know, you you had a couple different levels of where the story worked for me, that fight. And um. You've got Steppenwolf's motivation. You've got Wonder Woman being talked shit to by Steppenwolf. So we have that mm-hmm. part of it. You know, you've got Barry and you've got uh, Cyborg 
uh, taking out the hostages. It was a multi-tiered fight. It yeah. wasn't just, it just didn't feel, it, it felt more thought out. There was Agreed. more to it than just, totally. hey, let's go run in and, and fight these dudes. And that was my take on the situation. Yeah. No, for sure. And I, I definitely missed this as well. Um, the Wonder Woman intro, you know, we talked about her standing off center on the statue, yeah. but um, the extended sequence of her rescuing the hostages from the, uh, from the terrorists, I thought was very well done. And at the same time, like more of the same, just longer. Exactly. And, yeah. it, and that also made it makes such a difference in this characterization of Wonder Woman versus the Patty Jenkins characterization of Wonder Woman. I think that there are just the treatment of the character is very different. And I mean, whether it's right or wrong, I think it's subjective, but like my pre my preferences are just, it's not like what Zack Snyder does with this character. Um, I do want to talk about Cyborg's dad. Because I, I, I did, I did not care about Silas Stone in this movie. I'm sorry, I, I didn't. Um, they even they they gave him more time. They gave him an extended um, uh, role because of Cyborg's extended role in this as well. Um, and when it came time to um, figure out, oh, we got to revive Superman, they came to that. I think a lot more organically than in the theatrical cut because they talk about like when they're going over the differences they're in their little you know roving base or whatever they're talking about okay so these are the mother boxes this is what they do um this mother box was used to bring me back from the dead essentially and everyone like just gets really quiet and i was like okay that's a cool moment mm -hmm. where barry just goes okay so we're all thinking this right and then cyborg <laughs> just zaps out that little princess leia hologram of him of superman just doing his thing and i was like okay now we have a reason why we're bringing him back that makes yeah. sense i get it mm -hmm. and then they go and dig him up we get more flash and cyborg jokes and stuff and we get more um talking between uh aquaman and wonder woman talking about how like their people went to war and now they're like they're doing their thing um we also got this and i just want to bring this up as well now that we're talking about aquaman um mara oh my god one or uh mara amber heard is suddenly british in this film <laughs> <laughs> and I thought like, cause you could kind of get like, there were certain words that were weird in the, uh, in the Joss Whedon cut of this movie where it was like, you dare speak that way of Queen Atlana. And I'm like, okay, that's odd. Maybe it's, maybe it's just flavor. It's whatever. And then in Aquaman, no accent. Yeah. Weird. And I was like, okay, okay, maybe it was just a weird thing. And then she's full-blown, like, you dare speak that way of Queen Atlana in it. Like, I just, I was blown away by that choice. I was like, what are we doing here? And Willem Dafoe, at the same time, has this weird British accent. I was like, guys, guys, why? Why are we doing this? AJ's looking up his notes because I know he's got something to say about this. <laughs> oh, here um, it is. Um, well, first, what a waste of Willem Dafoe every time. Every time. Uh, second, Amber Heard's British accent is just as bad as her personality. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. You heard it here. Spicy hot takes. 
but yeah i thought it was so strange and then you know we get to the uh the rebirth moment where they're bringing um and i thought honestly it was also a good choice to have superman's ship in or the kryptonian ship in star labs first off i'm a sucker for star labs we saw my boy ryan Choi, even though he really didn't get much to do but um for those of you who don't know ryan Choi is the second adam in the comics um but basically they are like okay so we're gonna have flash do the exact same stuff exact same stuff again just longer but um there's this i thought a kind of a cool moment where you know, Barry brings up and this, you know, alludes to something later on in the film where he's like, yeah, when I run that fast, weird, freaky stuff happens with time. So just like, be aware, weird stuff is going to happen. They're like, okay, cool. So Flash, you know, gets ready at the other end of the ship and Cyborg like jacks in and he sees the aftermath of what bringing Superman back is. This is one of the most interesting parts of the entire movie for me. So anyway, I I just want to add to your point. So contain the story, Eric, because I just want to... We see Darkseid we see the deaths of Wonder Woman, Aquaman. Aquaman gets punked. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm just going to say it. Aquaman wow. gets punked underwater. But then we get to see the Omega Beams. And I love, I love fucking seeing those Omega Beams. Just like beams that just move. It, it's so cool. And then like it kind of like flashes back to Cyborg and he's like, oh no. And Flash is like, go? And he just yeah. starts running. I thought, again really well done the dynamic between the two of them and we get that rebirth and we get the scene of superman back and we get that extended fight between him and uh the justice league here what did you guys think of this scene of this redone scene um do you think it worked better than the theatrical cut i'm gonna go to chris first yeah, no, I 100% do. I like the uh, the added fight between him and Flash too. They have that weird, like, in, I think it's, um, what is it? You guys know, the speed force, is that what it's yeah. called? Where they kind of, so I thought that was really cool. I love that they cut the line, which Zach said, make no, make no fucking sense with, you won't make, let me live, but you won't let me die. It's like, you know, he cut that part of it out. It felt more real. It felt, it felt, it felt visceral. The first, the first Justice League fight felt kind of jokey and, you know, the whole, you know, bring in the big gun and his fucking Lois. And here she shows up organically. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part. I think, I think things happening in a natural sense kind of maybe makes this one work a little better than the last one. But I thought the fight was was handled a whole lot better. I really do. I still love that that part where Flash is running and Superman sees him and he sees him and it's like the whole holy shit, you know. Oh, so no. yeah. To me, I think that's that's always that's always super funny. I like the the way that him and Diana go at it too. I no, I think it's I think it's cool. I really do. I think that, that works better for for this one than it does the last one. I'm, again, not a lot, but I feel like it's more motivated and more visceral. More within sure. keeping the tone of the film, for sure. Definitely. Adrian? I would say the exact same thing. They, I mean, they kept this, my favorite line the entire movie. Cal, no! Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I knew as soon as I watched that, I was like, oh, God. That's Gal Gadot right there at her finest. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, you got to put is. her and Joel Kinnaman in a film together and well, let, <laughs> er- let them er- swim around each other. Chris's <laughs> favorite still- actor, Joel Kinnaman, <laughs> folks. He gets a shout out whenever he can. Every time. <laughs> Eric is still right that the worst line in the DCU is was presented it in Aquaman, however. Like so that- she was killed for having me. 
<laughs> it's bad but so bad so back bad. to a different bad film um yes but i that... i really like the sequence i think is really good i still love that headbutt exchange between yeah. superman and wonder, and wonder woman wonder still woman. super yeah, yeah. cool um i also really liked the uh the ending here where like it's definitely reframed in a way where superman's like oh hey batman i'm gonna fucking kill you and he's yeah. like slowly floating towards him and everyone's just like trying to stop him my favorite part of that is like uh aquaman trying to like spear him from the back and barry's like running at him from the front and he just mm -hmm. like sidesteps and like tosses barry into uh into arthur and then we get that fun little moment after everything leaves where they're both like on the steps and barry like looks at arthur and arthur gives him this like family guy point at him where he's like you son of a bitch <laughs> i thought that was good i thought the dynamics between everyone was really well done again lois being brought in was much more organic here um we didn't get a weird superman going to batman saying do you bleed yeah. like yeah. it was much well much better handled here um going then to the uh the superman going home Cal going back to the farm, um, him, Lois, and Martha getting a nice moment. Little touches, little touches of that that um, that Hans Zimmer Superman theme, which I actually do like. The piano It's peppered in throughout the film. Peppered it's in peppered throughout, in. yeah. 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 Um, Zimmer and meanwhile, works so well in this movie. Yeah, they do. It's weird, yeah. but yeah. like, yeah, like he's talented. It's crazy. It's so weird, yeah, exactly. Right, <laughs> but. Um, but then we go to, you know, the rest of the team where, where they're basically like, yeah, that didn't work. So we're just going to go for him, <laughs> I guess. Because we do get this extended sequence after that where Steppenwolf actually goes to get the mother box. And I saw this this morning and I had to talk about it because there is that cut where in the uh, in the theatrical cut, Steppenwolf just like boom tubes into where the mother box is on top of this car and he booms out. And they're like, Ah oh, man, that sucks. Well, <laughs> we tried. We tried. But in this one, Steppenwolf booms in to where that car is, and he walks over and he looks down and it's not there. And I saw this on Twitter today, so I can't I wish I could take credit for this. But it's just a picture of him and it's like Steppenwolf just looks mad that it's not here like it was last time. And I just <laughs> thought that is so funny to think about where he like walks over he's like yep this is the part of the movie where <laughs> where's the box where's the box and then we cut over to um to silas you know cyborg's dad who's taken the box and it looks like he's trying to destroy it and he's got it in this little isolation chamber cyborg gets a nice little like one-sided tussle with steppenwolf um and silas just like shoots a beam at it and just disintegrates and i'm like cool <laughs> wonderful love that what was kind. the point of this yeah. kind of deserved yeah kind of, terrible father kind i don't Hmm. Um, karma but, floating around but, maybe yeah. <laughs> but then like several wolf just psh, goes in there takes the mother box and leaves and then we do get that payoff of like no he was just superheating it when it was like couldn't he have just put like some kind of tracker on it and he didn't have to like kill himself to do radiate this? it maybe who knows yeah, yeah. i don't <laughs> whatever but like so they basically they establish like okay so uh steppenwolf gets like a little thing where he's talking to you know 
uh, Carbonite Darkseid where he's like, hey, <laughs> guys, this is the planet that Darkseid forgot about. Remember? This is where, remember? <laughs> yeah, we were here. This is, this is the planet, guys, where the anti-life equation is. And I loved getting that anti-life equation reference. I was like, cool. Love that. There's a lot going on right now. I can't enjoy yeah. this, though. And so Darkseid... Like and I loved this that like Desad was the person he was speaking to, and then Desad goes away, and you just see Darkseid go bomb. Like what? You found the planet, and he's he's basically just like you know get the <laughs> unity going. I'll come down. We'll fuck shit up. I'm gonna take my anti-life equation. Cool. So then we're all getting ready to send everybody in. We don't get um, the funny little uh, lasso scene with uh, with Aquaman, which I actually kind of enjoyed, um, where he's like, I don't want to die. Right. I have a lot of life to go on. And I'm kind of scared. And then he like realizes he's sitting on the lasso. Like I thought that was funny, but it's not featured here. They're basically like, OK, we're going to go in. We're going to take these things out. And then we get this weird thing because everyone's like, no, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. You know, and then all of a sudden, like everyone looks up and the bat plane is fixed. And this has been a weird running plot line throughout the film is that they can't fix the bat plane for some reason. I don't know what the point of this is. They were getting around fine. They didn't need to fix this thing. But so they go off to have their moment. They go and they're doing their thing at the final battle. Meanwhile, Superman, we see, goes back to the ship. And we get this, I thought, a really nice scene where he's kind of walking through the ship. The different suits are coming out. We're getting the voiceover from Jonathan Kent and Jor-El. I thought it was nice. But then they never establish why he doesn't just wear the normal suit. Right. Why he picks the black and gray. And even though we do get a cool moment where it's like echoing his first flight scene from Man of Steel, where he's like got the fist down, the rocks, he flies up. Um, there's no, it doesn't say anything. Like it doesn't tell us like why he chose that, why he picked that. And Zack Snyder has said in an interview that was over the past week where he's like, well, you know, there's an interesting thing about, you know, colors being tied to, you know, ideologies and thematics and where blue and red is the color of you know uh aliens and war black is the you know color of humanity and also you know i wanted him to be to take the suit and granted the next scene is him floating up above the earth and you know basking in the light of the sun he's like i wanted the black suit to be able to supercharge him because he's you know he's he's been dead for a while and i'm like So what was the fight he had against the Justice League then? Was he just like not powered? What's how do you anyway, but black suit is black suit. I'm always going to be a red and blue guy. Um, But then we get this this nice little scene with him and Alfred where Alfred's just like, hey, stuff's real bad. You should probably get over there. (laughs) And then we get to this point. We get to where everything's kind of going on. You know, they're trying to Cyborg is trying to like, you know, split apart the mother boxes from being the unity and everything. And um, I will say we get a pretty dope Superman entrance on this where Steppenwolf is just ripping his way through everybody and he's got his axe up and he goes to bring it down on Cyborg and boom, Superman's just there and he takes the axe, doesn't do anything to him and he just goes, 
not impressed. And he just wallops this guy. I I will admit I missed my super corny truth and justice <laughs> line, but you knew that that was a Joss Whedon line. You knew it wasn't going to be in this. I still missed it, though. But we get all of this stuff where he's just kicking the shit out of Steppenwolf, just the holy hell out of him. Almost too much, I would say, because he is just like, he's just lasering him and beating the shit out of him. I'm like, hey, you got him. You got him. You got him. <laughs> um, and the plan, I guess, is for Flash to be running around so fast that he can supercharge Cyborg to like rip these things apart. And apparently, Superman just takes too much time beating the shit out of Steppenwolf for this to happen. Um, Flash gets like blasted in the leg and he's not able to go do this. The boom tube opens up. Darkseid is there and he's like, hey, hey, I'm going to kill you all. And I thought this was the moment where I was like, okay, we're going to see all the nightmare stuff and then Flash is going to run back in time. No. The unity happens and just causes this giant explosion and then comes to, I think it might be my favorite part of the film where like the explosion happens and flash is just like whoa and he's suddenly in the speed force and he's like looking at just like looking around at all of the explosion happening and he's like okay 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 and he's like thinking on his feet he's like okay you have to run faster than you've ever run before you have to run really 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 fast you have to break your rule about like running this fast and you got to do it now like he's psyching himself up and i thought that was really cool the score was great the visualizations around it were great and you see him just start to fucking run well but you also get the the information he's saying i hope my dad thinks that i'm one of the great ones or the good ones so you kind of feel like he's almost eulogizing himself so yeah there's there's weight to that scene in addition to what you're saying so yeah because he's never run that fast before i thought so too i I was like that's classic like barry allen just running so fast that he just blows himself up to save save the multiverse but like and you see like the blue lightning he's got like just running and he's able to i thought was again a really cool sequence where he's running and time is rewinding behind him like he's rewinding time as he gets to that point and he's able to Bing, help Cyborg, like, cause the unity to stop. Mother boxes are rendered inert, I guess. And then, a, you know, the boom tube's still open. Darkseid's like, well, shit, man. All right, that sucks. <laughs> and then, like, Superman just, like, tosses uh, Steppenwolf at the boom tube. And I'm like, okay. So Steppenwolf will live to see another day. And then Wonder Woman comes out and just beheads him. Just, yeah. like, again. For no reason. Slow-mo just like beheads him. It was kind of cool. The head goes through the boom tube and Darkseid just kind of like steps on it to stop it. But like, what's stopping him from just going through that boom tube? Did it feel very um, end of uh, which Avengers or which Marvel film is it when Thanos picks up his gun and says, fine, I'll do it myself. Age of Ultron. Like, yeah, it yeah. felt like kind of that when they're walking away. But I, I, I agree. It's like, okay well does he remember now where the fuck it's at because yeah. you know it's like that was a really cool story device that we should solve he was like, here, I guys. Need, i needed the mother boxes so i could use siri to find where i'm at <laughs> yeah right where did i park my car siri go to known locations <laughs> just it was it was so dumb it didn't like i was like why are we doing this but you know the day is saved everybody goes everything's like okay cool everybody's great we're having a fun time and then um we get this epilogue 
where it's like showing all of the endings where everyone's like going off and they're doing their stuff aquaman has like a weird goodbye scene with british mara and Velko that we'll never see again um hops in the back of some guy's truck and drives away and then we do get that really nice scene between uh barry and his dad where he's like yeah he got his foot at the door he got his foot at the door i taught him nothing that he knows like just a very heartwarming moment um it looks like diana might be going back to themyscira who knows well didn't didn't stefan wolf say he destroyed themyscira i thought that was like kind of a morning slash i hope you're still out there kind of maybe because he said that but she also said liar right because we don't because we see him boom tube out with the mother box and all the amazons are like well fuck but like who knows um yeah yeah yeah. but and then we see superman or we see you know cal in metropolis in his clark kent and he takes the glasses off runs down and he rips open the shirt and it's the black and silver logo and then it cuts and i'm like okay that's the end of the film movies that's, are, it yeah. that's it and then yeah. i look at the timestamp. i'm like there's 20 minutes left here <laughs> of course there is what <laughs> what's happened like wait a second and then it just like cuts into the nightmare sequence and i'm like why is this here why are you here you should have been earlier in the film what's going Mm -hmm. on and we see essentially the new footage that we got the reshot footage and apparently according to just my base research that i saw like all of these actors in this film their stuff separately no one was in the same room for this yeah and i think that's hilarious um but basically we've got uh, first, we get the post credit scene with Lex and Deathstroke, which is extended as well. Lex right. telling Deathstroke Batman's um, Batman's real, real name, name. Yeah. which I, I thought was cool. I, I have to say, like that whole scene to set up what was going to be the Bat Flick movie would have been was I, I really enjoyed it. And seeing would've Jesse worked. Eisenberg like in the Lex Luthor like yeah bald and outfit, I was like, oh, oh, I could fuck with this. Yeah, I could totally with agree. This Lex Luthor, this totally is agree. cool. This yeah. is a good choice for Jesse Eisenberg. Absolutely. And he doesn't even like he doesn't even talk about like, oh, we're going to form our own Legion of Doom or whatever. He's just like, you're going to work for me. And in return, Batman is Bruce Wayne. And it worked well. I thought, again, like you said, as a tease for this Batfleck film that we're never going to have, like, cool, it's fine. But again, we're never going to have it. So like, what's yeah, the exactly. point? Yeah. Um, but yeah, this nightmare sequence where it's like Batman... <sighs> British Mara, uh, Flash, Deathstroke, and Joker, and Cyborg, just kind of palling around this, like, just torn up highway right. where they're like, all right, we're going to move in here. Like, do, do either of you know what, what they were doing, what their plan was? Because I, I, <laughs> I can't no remember idea. for the life of no. me. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. It, and, and I was so confused why Deathstroke was there of just like, What? Did you just have Joe Manganiello on speed dial and just like <laughs> you know he did? Mohawk? You know yeah. he did. Yeah, exactly. But like, I don't know why did Batman need Joker? Why was Joker part of this team? No idea. Like it was so strange, like seeing them all together and British Mara going like, "I'll kill that bastard for what he did to Arthur." Like, 
I was like, what is ha- like, what are, why yeah. is this here? Why is this in the film? And then we get the return of Jared Leto as the Joker for all of what it was. Someone on Twitter, nameless, faceless uh, troll account, said, this is the best Batman and Joker exchange I have ever seen. And I have never wanted to punch someone (laughs) I cannot physically reach more than I did in that moment. It's it's like the amount the the lack of chemistry that was so bad between those two is astounding. Like so bad. Your Batman and Joker, that's already layered enough. (laughs) It's already there. You don't have to create or work on anything. And you guys clearly did nothing. And Jared Leto made those like weird like you need me. Who else is gonna give you a reach around? Like, are they together? Like, is is that why he's on the? I have questions. Exactly. And like yeah. at the end, they're just like, he's found us. And like, you know, you assume it's dark side and everything. And then no evil Superman again. And I'm like, in the classic suit, you almost, you almost got me to think that this was something. Mm-hmm. And then you ruined it. You ruined it. And I'm leaving. Like that's, I just, I don't get it. I do not get it. Well, I am really of the opposite it. opinion of you guys in this situation. I actually really like the nightmare scene. And um, as much as I hated, and I kind of do hate Jared Leto as a Joker, I didn't mind him in this one. And I, the reach around part, to me, that just that was, that was way out of context of the film. I think that was just, where the fuck? That's, again, where when a director has complete control of his film, someone needs to step in like is this necessary yeah. um i really enjoyed that exchange i didn't like how it was shot to me this is where the four three came back because and i found out later that you are you are 100 right eric that, that everybody shot this separately so when he's handing him the card and it's going in and out of focus and, it, and if it were a widescreen it would have fit more closely but i mean it just it, that took me out of it although i actually didn't mind joker and and batman's kind of dialogue at all really and I will say that um, I'm sure you ha- you guys know this too that this is how he's teasing into his two other sequels this the rest of the story that he's talking about, um, which you know if and he's following the thread that was earlier um, that when they were on the Kryptonian ship that Cyborg saw like this is one of those futures that Lois being the key going back to Batman versus Superman, mm-hmm. you know this is kind of you know we're we're leapfrogging to that point. Um, but I didn't mind the nightmare scene. I didn't understand why Deathstroke was there. I don't even know who Deathstroke is, to be honest with you. It wasn't, he wasn't one of the major IPs I'm familiar with. Having him there was odd. Having Mara there was a little odd. I get having the other ones there. And I read somewhere and I was, I was, I was talking to someone and, and actually Nate, and he had mentioned to me that at some point, um, there is some type of sequence in this case where I think it was Lex Luthor, Joker, and Batman who end up because I think they did something to dark side or they something happened. And those are the last three people left. And that's why those three are there in that instance with the other ones. But you guys are no one that would, as far as the cinematic part of it goes, the, the nightmare scene, I, I actually, I didn't, I didn't, to me that in the cyborg um, kind of flash forward alternate universe thing was the most different than I had seen from what we had gotten so far. And I thought it, 
you know, if, if I were, if I loved this film, you know, you could probably petition Zach to have his other two movies because he's basically got those two stories written. And, uh, but, but I don't know if that's the case here, but I, I didn't mind the nightmare scene. Although I do feel like it was extremely misplaced and I thought I had missed something. I'm thinking, did I get up and go somewhere? And did they, did I miss like a five minute like bridge to get these two scenes together? Because it was so out of place yeah. that, um, that I thought I had fucked up, but but no, but so Sonia, I didn't mind it. I, I didn't mind it. I didn't hate it like you guys did. And it ends it ends the movie on such a dour note for me. Yeah. Cause it's basically like, okay, so yeah. this meant nothing. Cause they still lose. And they just whatever. Like we're getting evil Superman again. Like it it I was interested in, you know, more of this universe. Like in this far flung, you know, reality of like you know, we're going to get more DCU stuff. I was like, okay, after this, I am interested to see Henry Cavill continue on as Superman. And then they did this part. And I was like, I'm no longer interested because that's going to be the end point. Like, I don't care about this anymore. And that was just my, I can absolutely see like people without my baggage enjoying it a lot more. <laughs> but like, it was just, it was it was all the things that I dislike about the DCEU rolled up into a 15 minute sequence. Interesting. And I was like, this, that's just, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. But, um, I agree. Yeah. And regardless, uh, good. It would have made just, it, it would have been better in the middle of the movie because it would have felt like there were stakes being involved. It would have felt like this is the outcome if we fail, but now Mm -hmm. it's like how Eric said, it's establishing for more. And it's such a it's such a downer note that then ends on Martian Manhunter. Yeah, we got to talk about this Martian Manhunter thing <laughs> because Martian Manhunter shows up twice in this film, and the first time doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, doesn't make any fucking sense because like we get this little intercut scene where Lois is in her apartment and Martha like knocks on the door and she's just like, "You gotta go out in the world and you gotta live," and then we see her turn into Martian Manhunter. And I'm like, why do you care? What are you there? What do you know? And where have you been this whole time? <laughs> Get in the and, fucking fight, that, man. Yeah, <laughs> you're dicking around multiple times. That that was one of my notes was just like, why is Martian Manhunter not a bigger part of this movie? <laughs> like, why is he not being involved in this? Why is there no seven? And why is there six instead of seven? Dude, and apparently um, that was supposed to be Green Lantern at the end. It was supposed to be Green Lantern, John Stewart, but WB and DC Comics said no. So he's like, okay, I'm going to do Martian Manhunter instead. And it's so weird. Like the, the CGI is bad. Like yeah. it's bad. You could tell that the rest of that budget went into like dark side and stuff, <laughs> and, Wolf and stuff because like Martian Manhunter <laughs> yeah. looks real real bad um which is disappointing because he is a very cool character who deserves a lot better and he's being played by harry lennox who's a great actor so good so wrapping up the whole film um honestly it's it just again it's the same movie just longer you can feel free to disagree on that that's fine um talk about creative freedom creative vision cool but one thing that I think is kind of universally known and something that is, 
um, I would say undeniable is that this film for all of its changes cost a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) When we talk about money on this podcast, it brings us to everyone's favorite segment. a lot of money um all right so we'll go back from a little bit of a history from from justice league the initial initially the the budget for justice league was 275 million dollars which around the same time thor had been greenlit it was 100 million less than thor approximately um so i'm ragnarok um it's it was an inflated budget it was massive i mean i'm looking back at our numbers here uh, looks like the next closest one was BVS, which was at 250. So this this initially was approved at 25 million dollars in addition to Batman versus Superman. So once um, Snyder dropped out and Joss came on, he requested an additional 25 million dollars, which now put the budget at 300 million dollars. Right. So that's the official Justice League budget that came out from 2017. Once uh zach came back on eric you made a mention of it uh, being around 30 million initially right so it turns out that that number is a little short times two it looks like he asked for 70 million dollars or that's what it cost to finish up his reshoots so now for those who don't have a calculator um it's 370 million dollars that this film cost now, to put that in comparison, the most expensive movie made with, of course, non-inflation adjusted, just dollars to dollars, was uh, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, which is a terrible film. It's incredible <laughs> how bad that one is. That's the fourth bad. one. Yeah. For the people that don't know, it was the one after the trilogy with Kieran um, Knightley and um, uh, Orlando Bloom. Uh, so that one costed $376.5 million to make. That's the most expensive movie that, that again, dollar for dollar. So j- again, just to put it in perspective, the Snyder Cut cost $370 million to make, which is a little under $6.5 million as being the most expensive movie ever made. The caveat to that is that Pirates made $1 billion. So, oh. so Justice League... Overall, at its box office run, only made 657. That's, of course, the 2017 version because this version will not be released into the uh, into the theaters, at least as of right now. They, I would imagine they do do that uh, maybe in two parts later once theaters open up later this year, but we'll see. So unless it earns, <laughs> unless it earns $400 million, which would be obscene in its re-release in two parts later this year, when theaters open up, it's going to cost a, Warner's is losing a fuck ton of money. There's no other way about it. So 370 million to make this film. And again, again, Jessica brought up a good point as she always does. Unfortunately, I will never tell that to her face. They basically made three movies out of this. You know, they made a four hour film with Snyder Cut. They made the initial Justice League. So they got their money worth in a way, but 
when we've talked about this, about how Warner's kind of dropped the ball across the DCEU, this is really their fault. I mean, when you don't have a clear vision, you get, you get muddy. When you get muddy, you get three different cuts or two different cuts of the same fucking film, you know, that costs, you know, you think about it, you brought Joss on 25 million, Snyder 170. That's $95 million in reshoots between two directors, not including marketing fees. So, you know, I get passionate thinking about this and it's really just, it's a lack of leadership at the top, which I think all of us had said at some point during our, our critique of the DCEU yeah. and it, and it costs Warners and it's going to cost them a shit ton of money. But yeah, think about it. It's the second highest costing film of, of probably our generation, of any generation that, that yeah. again, dollar for dollar. So go fucking figure. Oh yeah. yeah. Which is a shame because um, as of this recording, this film has zero awards, <laughs> zero awards for <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League. We'll see if that holds. Um, it's been this... out for four days. <laughs> this is my segment okay i have to talk about this whether we have it or not i'm contractually obligated anyway to myself (laughs) to myself um but yeah overall when it comes to this film as we're kind of wrapping things up here um i have some questions for you guys and i want to get your thoughts on them get answers for this um first up i think i can probably scratch this one right away i just wrote this down when i was doing the notes um is it worth the four hour runtime <laughs> let's all answer on three. One, two, three. no no no, no. not even no. a little bit. not in its current format though but i do think and this is the and because you had mentioned earlier that i think that people people at wars knew that it's hard to sit through four hours of anything. Jesus, yeah. can you, that's, that's half of a work day that you're seated, like not even moving. So, uh, but you know, they talked about bringing it in two parts. He said that initially it was, it was a part one and two that I think, because he knew, I mean, if you cut it up into two hours, is it watchable? The first half is pretty slow, but the second half picks up. It's the Kill Bill reversal. Um, but they also, they also chaptered it out. So, you know, um, we were saying that maybe if you watch, if you take a week and you Monday, you're going to watch chapter one and then Tuesday, chapter two. And, you know, it's not the traditional way to watch a, a film because I don't think it can be classified as a technically as a classical film, but that's not so bad either. You know, you've got an hour segment, maybe that's, that's, you know, you get through it that way, but if it's, in, is it worth four hours of your time to sit down in one seating? Probably not. I, I don't, I don't think so. There's a, you can do a lot. I, the first time I saw it, I fell asleep. I, I passed out the first time I, I tried to watch it. You know, it's a lot to sit through. And again, I don't have that extra knowledge or baggage with it that maybe that you guys have when it comes to it. So if it's not on the screen, it's not registering with me. So, yeah. you know, but yeah, it's not worth four hours in one, one setting. Not for, I don't think for any of us at least. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, second question. <laughs> is this film, is the Zack Snyder's, justice league different enough from the theatrical cut to call it an improvement and does it have a satisfying story i'll go to aj first uh i'll say yeah i'll say it is a vast improvement from the first movie and getting to see zach's clear image of what he was going to do and what he wanted uh i i think actually does help it entirely if you like completely erase um 
you know, the Aquaman movie and the Wonder Woman movie and just take in Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, and then Justice League. It's a it's a solid trilogy, storyline-wise yeah. and yeah. visually, because it's all from the same person. For sure. You bring in these extended universe stuff, and then it's suddenly like an anthology story. And that's when things get weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I definitely think it's an improvement from the first one. The story is a little muddy from my from from, from I think we, we some points we had mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. but um it, I, if you had seen the first one and you're interested in the first one, you should definitely this one is I think by leaps and bounds better than the first one. But again, something to consider is that like we had mentioned before we were rolling that Zach had the opportunity to watch and hear all of his critics and see what they didn't like about it. So he, he in essence had a do over. And that's yeah. unheard of now in film where you don't get to, to, to release it to the world. And then like, you know what, hold on. Warner's give me 70 more million. We'll make this thing work. You know, that's, that's a hard sell to do. Yeah. And also it's four hours. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's a lot you could tell in four hours. So yeah. eventually, you know, a, a broken clock is what right twice a day, they say. So <laughs> in four hours, eventually you're going to hit on something at some point. You know, you're just playing the numbers. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely better than the original, at least in my opinion. But the, again, the story is still a little muddy for me. A little muddy, a little muddy. Yeah, for me, I think I I agree with both of you to a certain extent. Um, I think that tonally, it's definitely an improvement. This is one film all the way through, for better or worse. Um, it doesn't feel as Frankenstein or hodgepodge together as the theatrical cut, which is a huge improvement tonally wise, narratively wise, uh, character wise. But I, I feel like, and again, I mentioned this already, this is the same film, just longer. This is the same film with some added lore, some redone scenes. And I have to believe I have, and I have no like... I have no way to prove this, but I have to believe there is a two hour cut of this film. <laughs> I have to. Yeah, I no, am absolutely. a, I, I try to see the best in the world at, so, <laughs> at certain points. And I believe that there is no reason this needed to be four hours, period, yeah. period, bar none. They could have done this in two hours. If you wanted to push up to two and a half, push it up to two and a half. There's no reason that this needed to be that. So if someone is going to come to me and be like, hey, I'm not a huge you know, superhero fan, not a huge comic book fan. I watched the first version of this movie. Do I need to watch the other version? I'm going to tell them no. Because like all of this added in stuff is fan service. All of this is extra lore that is never, that is not going to be followed up upon that you did not get any kind of um, teases for in any of the other films. The reason that this is four hours to me is because they wanted to add in a bunch of stuff in one film. They wanted to introduce all these characters, introduce all these lore um, that dates back thousands of years in the um, continuity of the movie. And it just, it doesn't need it. It doesn't need it. And that's, coming from someone who is a huge lore hunter who is like (laughs) neck deep in dc comics lore like an average moviegoer doesn't need to watch this 
But at the same time, that being said, this wasn't made for the average moviegoer. This was made for those hardcore Snyder heads who wanted to see this film. And for them, I say congratulations. Like, yeah. it's, you got this done. Congrats. But that does lead me to my final question and something that I really do want to talk to you guys about uh, before we get out of here. Does this movie make you more interested in seeing more Snyderverse stuff? Because as we've seen here, I don't know if you guys have you guys have seen this on Twitter or not, but I have seen multiple people make the statement that like okay cool we bullied warner brothers into releasing this now we're going to bully them into hashtag restore the snyderverse does this film make you interested in seeing that and um i guess what are your thoughts on that i'm gonna go to aj first on this um no not at all it's four hours of, like you said, the same movie that there is a two-hour version of. And fan service that's not needed. And if it's going to be more of this, like, he wants, he wanted to make a five-movie trilogy, which isn't a trilogy. Isn't, yeah, <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense by three numbers in any way. If you're going to do six movies, do six movies. Don't call that anyway. <laughs> but it's like... I've read the stuff and like the rumors and like the supposed scripts on like what's comes next. And it's like, it, it's like nineties Batman versus Superman territory. It's, it's bad. It's really, really bad. And this in itself, if you're going to, again, if you're going to do man of steel, Batman versus Superman, uh, like here's nine hours essentially of like the Lord of the Rings for, uh, for justice or for the DC universe. Is it good? No, it's not. Is it, is it Zack Snyder's vision? It's Zack Snyder's vision. So if you want to go down that weird Picasso road, then go for it. But I have no desire to keep going. I am pulling, I'm pulling off on the highway and I'm doing something else. Like, <laughs> fuck that. Chris? <laughs> I mean, that's, you, you said a whole bunch of stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting to unpack that because it, you're right. To me, the, to me, the biggest thing about what happened was that, that social media basically got this movie made. And for better, for worse, that's there's no going back to that. You know, that sets a precedent. And I was around, do you guys remember when the interview um, with Seth Rogen and James Franco, yeah, they put it in yeah. theaters and then North Korea said that, that they crazy were going to, yeah. Thing. That was a weird, so a whole war. Right, exactly, yeah. over a fucking movie. And so um, they cowed, they, they cowered in, or they, they cowed to that demand. And so they didn't put it in the theaters. And so by, by the only reason I bring that up into this is the only time that Hollywood's been seriously influenced by outside um, relations to do something because you really, I mean, Warner Brothers is a company, you don't tell Warners to do anything. You ask them nicely, you petition them, you send them flowers and chocolates and you buy them dinner. You don't tell Warners, this is what you're going to do, but enough people did. And my, my problem with that is that now you're going to see that more often, you know, like, you're going to see, you know, release the two hour cut. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going to see stuff like that, that, that I don't necessarily think that really should be, you know, in Hollywood should be influenced by, I mean, think these are billion dollar companies with a B, you know? And so think about, they can, they can, and, and my, the biggest problem. Okay. So now that we've established that, 
So now when, when are people going to be quiet about, Hey, let Snyder to direct, because to be honest with you, I like Zack Snyder. I think when he's not saddled with an IP, he does relatively well. 300. Yes. Was an IP, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't known like how the DC IPs were sucker punch, I believe was original. Mm -hmm. uh, Army of the dead is original. Dawn of the dead. was a remake of, of Romero film, but loosely it was the fact that it took place in a mall and had zombies is pretty much all that had to do with it. So, you know, Zach to me, I don't, I don't trust him. And I mentioned this, I think, in, in, a, in something we had mentioned before. I wouldn't trust him to, to pick a writing staff that could fully flesh out what his sequel visions are. So, you know, Warner's has to hedge its bet where, okay, if we do continue down the story, do we bring in Patty Jenkins to look over it? Do we bring in, um, oh, who's their boy who did The Conjuring? Do we bring in, oh, James Wan. thank you. Do we bring in James Wan to maybe look over it? But you know the fact that Zach got this movie made to me is is ridiculous because of everything involved with it and what it entailed. But also, he's not. I, I wouldn't. DC fucked up, and I think they know they fucked up when they said let's let's make you our for for lack of a, a better um, example, our Russo brothers, right? Because they did Winter Soldier, they did Civil War, and both of, in uh, Infinity War and Endgame. And Zach wasn't that dude. He didn't end up panning out for them that way. And so for them to continue this universe, I think they need to pick someone who's, who's maybe handles that a little bit better. Cause I like Zack Snyder. I don't think he's bad. I really enjoyed sucker punch. Like you mentioned 300 Dawn of the dead. I'm excited for army of the dead. Even as excited you can be for a bank heist in Vegas over on with zombies with Dave Bautista as the lead. Bautista? Um, yeah. So you not you know, love that. That concept is golden it, right there. Well, it that is. sounds like Zach's alley, right? Yeah. That sounds like That's right, his lane, but there you go. But is now is his continuation where we've got this world where Lois Lane dies and Superman turns evil because he's turned by a dark side. And then you know, the, the supers have to come back and, and, and fix that. Does that sound like his line? Like, would you oh. trust him to make two more of those movies? Invest almost $1.5 billion in that shit? It's like, it's an easy no. Like, I would like to see, I would like to see the story, sure, but under a, a different director. I, I, you know, so, I mean, on, on the synopsis sounds great. Lois Lane dies, Darkseid turns Superman. Everybody else is, you know, half the half, everybody's taken out except for these five or six people. Sure, you know, but. I mean, let's fill in the blanks here. Like, so you know, there's fuck. So much. But here, okay, here's the thing about that, right? So here's the funny thing. So if the people can make can get the Steiner cut made, right? If they can do that right now on Rotten Tomatoes, and again, it's only been out for what did you say, four days, Andrew. So it's very fresh, very new. 74% on Rotten and 96% audience. The audience is going to love it because the audience wanted it. It's yeah. like, you know, asking for a steak that's well done and cooked in black and you get that and everybody else hates it, but you loved it because that's what you wanted. So everybody that saw this movie asked for it, right? They were going to love it no matter what, analogy. right? That is such a good analogy. So, this movie is absolutely a well done steak. You know, right? And the only movie that's done better has Dark been Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman Wonder Woman is 92 certified with 88 audience. So right now this is 74 rotten and 96 audience. So the audience was going to love it no matter what. We knew that. The fact that, you know, the critics are kind of coming around may hold precedent because if Zach does get the green light from Warren to be like, yeah, we'll give you some money on the lower end. If this does well, we'll bring you back. If it doesn't, we'll never see you again. This, these, these metrics, and again, Hollywood is run by these metrics, unfortunately, and now it seems like, you know, peer pressure from Twitter, from Twitter and Instagram and fucking hashtags that this might make that happen. There is the chance that that happens. So 
it's just something to consider and at least let it ruminate for the next couple of years while we talk about this. Yeah, for sure. And I think honestly, like you said, it sets a really dangerous precedent. Um, we've seen it in recent years. Um, Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah, that first right. trailer came out. People hated it. I hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, and arguably, you know, they went back, they redid the whole thing. The animation team ended up going under because they weren't given any more money to do it. They were just forced to redo oh, it. Oh, I didn't know that. And it, it resulted in a much better design. And I think, I mean, I, I don't know if my view of the film would have been less positive because it was going to be the same film regardless, just with a different looking hedgehog, um, how that would have affected it. But we are seeing this rise in what pe- what um, was coined in the late 90s as the fandom menace. Like <laughs> audiences and fans like really just influencing movie studios, which is not how it's done. Um mm-hmm. And I, I think that you have to tread that line very carefully because there is an amount of like, we want to give the people what they want, but at the same yeah. time, there's a lot of times where people don't know what they want. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, I am always down to see new interpretations. I am always down. That's why I gave this a chance, even though I didn't, you know, agree with any of this. And I've seen, you know, Zack Snyder's mentioned on more than one occasion that like, yeah, I could see, you know, if they decided to go that direction, them continuing the story in a comic book. And I think that would be the perfect way to continue the story. First off, because we don't have to see another movie about it. But also (laughs) because it drives back to the thing that started it in the first place. Comic books. We get people back in comic book shops. I guarantee you those issues would sell out. You give me, you give them a ten, a twelve issue maxi series that can only be gotten in um, in comic book shops. People will line up down the street to get those comics, and that sucks for me because I am a weekly Wednesday warrior <laughs> who goes to comic book shops every Wednesday. But like, it would be, it would allow them to preserve that vision without having to spend millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars on a i believe ultimately flawed interpretation of characters um dan slot a renowned comic book writer uh actually recently said on twitter and something that i would like to echo if i could here um Basically, he said, one of the biggest gimmies I let the Snyder Cut have going in, I told myself, these aren't Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, etc. They're Zack Snyder's personal interpretations of those characters. It's an alternate universe and valid in the same way Injustice or Superman Red Sun are. At the end of the day, I think I'm mar- far more flexible about this now, knowing that it's not how the franchise will continue, that it's something all of its own. And that's how I feel about it. Like, I, when I got to the point where I was like, this isn't the main line anymore. This is an Elseworlds story. I got way more into like, okay, being okay with this. Like it's it's an interpretation. It's an adaptation just like any other adaptation is. It's not the mainline version of these characters, which I view very differently than Zack Snyder does apparently. <laughs> um, but overall, when it comes to the Snyder Cut, when it comes to the Snyderverse, I think it is better to, at least when it comes to the films, let sleeping dogs lie and let the DC universe grow into what it's going to be next. 
Matt Reeves' Batman. We've got another Wonder Woman on the way. We've got another Shazam on the way with Black Adam, the JSA, all of these standalone films that we're going to be getting to have the creative freedom from directors and working with the studios to make something that more people can enjoy because they're going to be maybe not exactly uh, one-to-one adaptations from the comics, but something that resembles the comics. <laughs> so that's that's just my thoughts on it. Um, as we're wrapping up here, I want to, in the tradition of this series, get your final thoughts on this film, your arbitrary Geeksplain rating out of 10, and as an added caveat, where you would rank it in your lineup. Um, because not all of us did a straight up, you know, numbered list. I know AJ is going to put it in a tier somewhere. Um, feel free to do that. Please do. But I will kick things off with Chris. You know, I still think Man of Steel is my favorite. I think it'll always be my favorite. Um, <clears throat> I think that, uh, uh, this justice, League, again, it's, it's, it's hard for me to put it as a movie guys. It really is basically a mini series and that's not fair to rank it with these other films that had a two hour runtime, it's just not. So I think that the biggest part of it for me is that when you take it for what it is, which is a mini series or two films, I think you have to put it behind some of these other films that told their story with one. There was no part two, part one. I mean, it, it is what it is. So for me, I would do Man of Steel. I would do probably BVS, Wonder Woman. I would probably put Justice League maybe at four right now again it's a little off we haven't i haven't revisited these at this point i it was entertaining again if and if you look at my top four i've got man of steel bbs and and justice league not in that order but you know we talk about um zach's trilogy it's in there because tonally i enjoyed man of steel i didn't hate bbs like you guys did and um i didn't i didn't love justice league the Snyder cut but i didn't hate it either i didn't i didn't want to bury it um, so anyway, to answer your question, it's a long answer. I would probably put it fourth uh, behind um, BVS. Uh, I'm sorry, Man of Steel, BVS, Wonder Woman, and and Justice League. And so Justice League is number four for me. Uh, yeah. Nice. And what what? How would you rate it out of ten? That's an excellent question. I would say, I would say again. You know, you have to look at it like it's a mini. I would say maybe, I would say maybe six and a half out of ten. Because they do some stuff that you know that that I actually didn't hate, but at the same time, you have fucking four hours. You can tell two movies in that in that span of time. So, you know, you're gonna hit some stuff that's really good. But I, I would say six and a half. I would give it six and a half out of ten. Six and a half out of ten. All right, AJ. Oof, oof, oof. You know, I, I had the same mentality, Eric, going into this movie in this morning was that this isn't the main roster. This is no longer the Warner Brothers going. This is our Justice League. This is our DC universe put onto the screen. Now I would just now I can go, OK, this is a Nolan. This is Zack Snyder's artistic liberties brought into the Justice League. So it's nice. It, it's that moment that. of just like exactly thank you thank you it's one of those things i res i respect it and just like you know what i re i refuse to watch or i refuse to um i refuse to rank josh whedon's um justice league because that again was him taking over from the studio saying hey we need this movie out by 2017 right you did avengers fix this and i yeah 
it, it it's not the actual artist's like piece this now is four hours and i kind of I kind of like have a moment where I disagree with Chris because it's just like this wasn't marketed nor distributed like a mini series. So it's hard for me to take it as one. Sure, the parts are there, so you can definitely treat it as one. And I understand why it's hard to rank it as a movie. But the fact of the matter is, is that they distributed it and they sold it as this is Zack Snyder's Justice League movie. This is everything he wanted. And it's four hours. And four hours is a whole lot of story. It's a whole lot of movie. <laughs> yeah it is so it, it it's this thing where i'm just like i i do have to minus it though because it's four hours it's four hours like and i agree with you they should have just put it as a mini series and done like part one part two part three part four an hour each so you can come back to it and you cannot but that that's not Zack snyder's forte he makes movies out of 10, I give this a four. I didn't, I didn't really enjoy it. I, there's a lot of character moments I don't think are needed. There's a lot of fan service I don't think is needed. And yeah, there, I, I love the cyborg bits. All the good stuff in it, I think, comes from cyborg. I love the new um, Flash stuff. I even like Aquaman more in this movie. Like, my man. My man. <laughs> my man um i did not like any of superman's bits i didn't i everything that i don't like about sex Snyder's superman is highlighted in this movie and like it's it, it's just too much for me where would i put it in the columns i mean there's so much room in a and b or s and a so <laughs> how can i not but so um, out of all of it i would put it right next to um i'd give it a d i put it in the d category it's not an f it's not an E, but it's right next to um, Suicide Squad. There's things I liked about it. There's a lot I didn't like about it. I don't think it's a good movie. I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's a movie. I think it's a Zack Snyder movie. That's what I think about it. There it you is, go. That's a good point. It is, it's not a bad movie. It's not a great movie. It's not a movie. It's it's a Zack Snyder experience fully and completely. And that's I respect it for it. I, that's the thing is that I, it's not that I don't like it. I, because I don't like it. it I, 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 I don't quote like myself. It. I don't like it. To quote myself. It's not that I don't like it. And I thought about it. Just like, no, I don't like myself. this. I don't like this, but I do have respect for it. And that very, and like the little bit at the end for autumn was that moment where I was just, that like, was nice. Okay, this, yeah. That was real this, nice. Is, this is, this is the sweetest thing. This yeah. right here is why you had to leave. And, but ultimately this is why you came back. So right. respect for Zack Snyder. Yeah. yeah. Good, point. I, Good point. I agree with both of you. I think it's, it is an achievement in itself that it was made. You know, this is years of fan support. This is years of negotiation. This is honestly, if I was in that situation and I had something that was tied so closely to a tragic event in my life, I don't know if I would be able to do that. Yeah, I don't know yeah, if I'd be go. able to come back to it. So huge props to Zack Snyder as a person, as a filmmaker. Um, mm -hmm. Again, I think we just will never be able to agree on how we see these characters in this mythology, but I tip my hat to him for getting to complete his vision of these characters. Um, I have to, I have to agree with, uh, with AJ and give it a four out of 10. It's not the worst of the series, um, but it is definitely not what 
I would view as anywhere near the best for me. Um, when it comes to uh, the rankings, um, I had a hard time kind of looking at the list and putting where I would have it at, but I ended up uh, putting it at number seven. So that is wedged right between Suicide Squad and Aquaman. Oh my my final rankings here. Let, I'm going to go through the final rankings for everybody. I have them written down. Um, AJ's final rankings include as thus S tier. A tier. <laughs> B tier. Wonder Woman oh, damn, and Birds of Prey. <laughs> um uh c tier is wonder woman 84 d tier suicide squad and Zack snyder's justice league e tier man of steel aquaman and shazam i still mm. uh f tier justice league uh justice league and batman v superman for chris's final rankings at number 10 he has birds of prey at number nine he has shazam at number eight, he has Suicide Squad. Number seven is Wonder Woman 84. Number six is Justice League. Number five is Aquaman. Number four is Zack Snyder's Justice League. Number three is Batman v Superman. Number two, Wonder Woman. And number one, Man of Steel. I My like it. final rankings are number 10, Justice League. Number nine, Batman v Superman. Number eight, Aquaman. Number seven, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Number six, Suicide Squad, because there was no Captain Boomerang in Zack Snyder's <laughs> Justice League. That immediately drops it. Um, number five, Wonder Woman 1984. Number four, Birds of Prey. Number three, Man of Steel. Number two, Shazam. And number one, Wonder Woman. Gentlemen, we did it. We made it. Wow. This whole odyssey going um, basically seven eight years eight years worth of films um culminating in the uh conclusion of the Snyderverse. i want to say thank you for coming on this ride with me with us coming together to really take a look at one of the benchmarks you know what for better or worse one of the benchmarks for comic book storytelling and genre storytelling um this is our modern dc universe for now and it is going to make its mark in the history books. So um, I want to thank you guys for coming together with me on this journey. I want to thank these listeners for listening with us <laughs> as we went through this, suffering with us as we went along. And um, any final thoughts from either of you on the DCEU as a whole? AJ? Um, lots of lessons on what not to do lots of lessons on what you should do when you're handling these IPs and these characters that mean so much to multiple generations and to multiple people, I think is always going to be fascinating because such recognized characters always mean something different to everybody. And kind of seeing like all of our rankings and all of our own like mindsets and how we see things and calculate has been just so much fun. Such a terrible experience for such a. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Chris? 
No, man. Um, and first of all, thanks for having us on, man. I love talking yeah, to you guys. I think you. that you guys are incredibly knowledgeable when it comes to the source material. And um, we have a good time doing this. And I think that the biggest part for me is just to echo what AJ said was that there's, it's really a missed opportunity. And I, I can't imagine if you go back and listen to all the, the things we've talked about for the DC, that should come up a lot because you're talking about eight years in, in the making and, and Marvel had a decade. So let's, you know, you take off two years, you're pretty close. And we look at, we look at the success. Them, and I don't always mean to compare DC to Marvel, but it's just going to happen because yeah. they're both franchises. They both come from comics they're, you know, it's, it's, so you're, it's, it's just going to happen. If you look at the success that Kevin Feige's had with Marvel, it's, I think it's because that he really genuinely cares about those characters. He understands those characters. And if he doesn't, he gets someone to tell him about these characters. And I don't think DC ever did that. I think that they hoped that Zach might be able to cherry pick a couple people, or I'm sorry, it wasn't his, I'm the, the Warners. I don't even know if they have a head. Do they have a, Eric, you would know this. Do they have a, a creative head at Warners for that handles just like the DC property department i mean because i would imagine they have because you know how disney has yeah they, I, would, I mean they, they have like right now they've got jim lee kind of at the top of dc comics when it comes to just dc entertainment just media yeah um, they don't have like a dedicated guy like mm -hmm. a kevin feige to like oversee all of the film stuff well, maybe that's where that's where the bottleneck is, right? That's where the disconnect is because I look at it and it's just so many missed opportunities. I mean, I'd love for someone to calculate how many hours this was because then we could be like, yo, Eric, we spent 450 hours watching eight DC films or however many they are. Half of um, it was Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah, <laughs> right. But no, man, I, I appreciate you guys having me on and, and, and bringing me along the ride because I'm definitely the, the, the least knowledgeable when it comes to this stuff. But I feel that we all have a pretty good points we come from it. And honestly, no matter what, you can always learn, right? I always tell people you can watch a terrible movie, but in that movie, there's one thing that you can say, well, I didn't, I didn't know that either. What's it's what not to do. Either it's something you really enjoyed, how you copy it. That's a great line of dialogue. There's something. And so it's never really just time wasted. It's just lessons learned. And we're in positions, all of us to learn lessons and hopefully Warner's you know, they look at their debacle, which now they can say officially that is the second most expensive movie of all time and say, hey, we fucked up or we didn't or what worked and what didn't going forward. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. One, one last missed opportunity that I want to say about the entire Zack Snyder that I was so excited for and so looking forward to in a Superman movie was Carla. Uh, I'm so sorry. I'm messing up this last name. Juingo? Guingo, yeah. Cugino or something like that. Yes, something like Carly that. G. She's done a bunch of stuff with Zack Snyder and she was the voice for like the computer system for Krypton. And I was like, wait, are we getting female Brainiac? Are we getting this actress as Brainiac? This is the best thing ever. This is brilliant. And it went nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> the greatest opportunity missed out of the entire universe. <laughs> missed, I tell you. Ah! I, I have to I have to echo everything you guys are saying, especially that last point. Um, just a wild ride. Just it is um, it is something that I am going to remember, not just the films itself, but like going through this with you guys. It was a totally. it felt like an event, yeah. like going through this, uh, getting to talk to you guys about this. And um, I am going to put it out in the universe that it, this isn't the last time that we do this. We had a series um 
tail end of 2019 called Watching the Watchmen, where Chris and I tackled the uh, HBO Watchmen series. This you could see as kind of our spiritual successor to that. Um, coming in, bringing AJ on board and bringing in his incredibly alcohol-driven insight on all of the, <laughs> on his perspective and really it's just true, kind though. of, it's it's the mystery ingredient that I, in the back of my mind, always knew we needed. So, alcohol. Um, alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> when you're getting through this, you need it. But That's an excellent point. Me on. Yeah, man. And I'm, I'm glad that we got to do this. I'm excited to hopefully do this again in the future, tackling other possible um, film franchises. So keep an ear out. This will not be the last time that the three of us get together on this. Um, AJ, if anyone wants to follow you and your, your angry rants on any of the social medias, where could they find you? Uh, they can find me at, at AJ underscore Kincaid, K-I-N-C-A-I-D. Chris, if anyone wants to follow along with your journey on being a future award-winning or already award-winning, but future um, oh, thank you. Hall of Fame-worthy uh, <laughs> filmmaker, uh, where can they find you? Uh, my website, carterincfilms.com. It's got links to all my socials, Facebook, um, uh, scripts and screens, which is our podcast we share. And, um, and and yeah, that's the best place to kind of see what we're doing too, which you're going to see these two guys' faces very, very soon on something coming up. So yeah, absolutely. So definitely keep an eye out for all of that stuff. Both these guys are incredible creators um, in a whole myriad of different kinds of content so uh if you want to find me uh you can find me at that daring man on twitter um of course at geeksplain pod at geeksplain pod on twitter and instagram follow along with that and um this has been into the snyderverse we went in we came out the other side and who knows where we will go next <laughs> Now I've heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the Thank you.
I didn't come to fool you. 